Hi everyone, here we are again, number three, three live streams today. My name's Simon Linstead, I'm the founder of the InfoSec Live community, and have we learned some stuff today about the cybersecurity industry, so far from two of the industry's biggest leaders. Another one coming on in a few seconds to join us and teach us more about the challenges and successes they've seen throughout their careers. Before we get started, a um, bit of housekeeping, I suppose you could call it. Firstly, a massive thank you to those of you who've tuned in live today to the previous events. The chat has been super engaging. It's made a huge difference and just want to say a big shout out and a thank you to that. And if you're watching as a replay, remember to like and subscribe and please drop us a comment if you enjoy it. So following on from our previous shows with Joe Krall and Edward Liebig, we're nearly ready for our next star speaker of the day. But before we begin, a little bit about the InfoSec Live community for those of you who don't know who we are. We're a community of 3,000 cyber professionals sharing best ideas and practice in the world's first dedicated security social network set up 13 months ago by myself. And this show has been created to help further the sharing of best ideas and practice with our industry leaders and obviously beyond throughout the rest of the industry. And our community is free and will always remain free and offers tons of support to our members. And that is only possible thanks to the support of our sponsor, Bramfit Technology Labs. So before we get, begin a little bit about Bramfit, Bramfit are an international cybersecurity consultancy leading the way in innovation and cyber resilience with offices in London, New York, and Perth. Just get that right. Their entire team is owned and managed and works on a linear structure, drawing expertise from the military, government, finance, and technology industries and together provide support and collaboration to those who protect company assets and sensitive data. With 50 technical consultants around the world using research, education, and execution, Bramfit helped to protect systems and, of course, your reputation, more importantly. And as quoted by their CEO, Lewis Bramfit, if you're a CISO suffering from big four fatigue, reach out to Bramfit today to see how they can help. So the link's there if you want to have a look. But Let's move on to our next guest, Adam Bricker. And Adam began his career as an aerospace engineer working on cruise missiles, space vehicles, and hypersonic missiles. Super excited to hear about that. Also worked at Southwest Airlines as Director of Purchasing and Director of Information Systems, and later as VP of Application Development for Yum Brands. In 2000, he joined KPMG and built a successful IT and business consulting practice, serving some of the most admired global companies in capital equipment, industrial manufacturing and aerospace. Adam then left to join World Vision in 2006 as international CIO to strategically integrate a global federated IT function with over 900 staff in 85 countries. And the team built shared service centers in Asia, centers of excellence on four continents and a discipline to find and scale innovations in healthcare, education, agriculture, and IT services. But it doesn't stop there. He's also led startups in EdTech, GRC, Oncology Informatics. And in January of 2020, Adam co-founded the Carolina Cyber Center at Montreal College and the Carolina Cyber Network of 11 major colleges in North Carolina, whose vision is to build a national demonstration resource for developing regional cyber awareness, cybersecurity professionals of character, very important and hardening regional resources and recently been awarded over 16 million in Department of Defense, State of North Carolina, NSA and Department of Labor grants, which is a massive accomplishment. Um, currently leading a passionate group of IT professionals supporting international missions and having lived and worked in over 60 countries, Adam helped identify, develop and or bring to market innovations in student staff capacity development, digital marketing, IoT, food production automation and guest experiences. And 
also served as an adjunct professor at Ecole des Ponts, Paris Tech University, apologies for the pronunciation, my French colleagues, for nine years. And while he's passionate about learning new technologies and development methods, he's also passionate about the life skills that bring competence, autonomy and joy to one's life and others. And for anyone watching, we'll know that we've got a lot in common on that last point there. And finally, he loves mountaineering, competing in adventure races, working his ranch in Colorado and spending time with his wife and four children. And when it's hunting season, you can find him being humbled by an elk in the Rocky Mountains. And I think, Adam, that is probably the best resume I've ever read in my life. I hope I've done you a service with it and not messed up any of it. No, it was it was easy. I just went to one of those artificial intelligence chatbots. I typed in interesting words, and that's what came out. Uh, so it sounded pretty good. I mean, it's, it's what landed me my job. Madam, so we can't fault it. Um, all, all joking aside, thank you so much for taking the time um, to jump in today. I normally say, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I've probably done a fair amount of that, but we might have missed a few bits. So we'll, we'll move on to that in a second. But before we do, again, the people in the chat, there's loads of you. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you have got questions, um, please drop them in throughout. And if they're clean and fair enough, we'll try and answer them as much as we can. But Adam, please fill in the gaps from, from where I left off. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of gaps to fill in other than if you think about the career that I, I have to say, I wasn't smart enough to think about this when I started off, but this arc of my career is this intersection between information technology, people development, and adventure. Like, I, I don't want to develop a software package or systems just that lots of other people can do. My mentor, a guy named Bob Shank, always said, you know, Adam, don't leave undone that which only you can do. Now, we know we're all replaceable. We know, right, the joke, the graveyard's full of master sergeants who thought they were irreplaceable. But I've really tried to find that intersection because I, I was never after a job. I was after an adventure, something that was really difficult to do. And I've been blessed throughout my career with phenomenal staff. And, I, and again, lots of people say that, but Gosh, I guess, I guess God knew I needed more help than the average bear. You know, Southwest Airlines to be surrounded by people who would go off and build, you know, one of the most efficient and effective aircraft routing systems, one of the most complex uh, deterministic problems in the world that even our team even outdid IBM at the time with Deep Blue. And I just, I mean, how lucky is that to walk into a team, you know, where, uh, where they were already there, they just needed a vision and structure. And, you know, I walk into my staff at World Vision who um, were already doing amazing things. But to be able to take it to, as I say, to the next level and, and truly build out a global IT team, it's big, you know, I feel lucky to have been in those positions. But they were all adventures. You know, they were all more, more like expeditions. You don't, you don't really know what the next step's going to take. And you know it's going to be hard, but it's got to be something that's worthy of your extended commitment to wake up every day and go, God, just think how blessed I am to get to do this. So I've just been, been really blessed. Do you know what? You know what, Adam? I think the thing I'm perspiring here, because it's quite hot in this office, <laughs> The, the thing that stood out, the thing that stood out to me there was was the terminology you used, adventure. And I think where where a lot of people go wrong with careers is it isn't the adventure they're looking for. It, it's the destination, and we're guilty of that in all aspects of life. Where you know, from leaving primary school to going up to, I can't wait to get to high school. Can't wait to get to college. Can't wait for the first job. Can't wait for the promotion. And the biggest learning thing for me a few years ago was that it's the journey that's important. Um, rather than the destination and, and making sure that you're enjoying that journey or that adventure. And it's refreshing to hear that terminology used with regards to a career because it doesn't happen much. Yeah, I, I recently had an opportunity to present to 
don't know, four or 5,000 people at a government big conference, you know, and uh, one of the statements that I made to them, you know, it was about cybersecurity. It was about character development stuff. But one of the statements that I said to them was, you know, that when you look at this, the scientific research and one of the most insightful longitudinal studies of life that's ever been done is, is currently ongoing from Harvard University. And, you, and they ask people towards the end of their lives, what were the things that they took most joy in and what are the things that they most regret? And I think there's some lessons learned there. Right. There's the old joke that says nobody on their deathbed or the gravestone said they wish they'd worked harder. Actually, they did, but they wish they'd worked harder on a few things. They mostly regretted the things they didn't do in their lives. And the thing they took the most joy from were their relationships. Nobody said, oh, the biggest joy I had was bringing this medical device to market or making a million dollars in the stock market. They said, I work with a great set of people. I had a great family. I had great relationships. And those are adventures worthy of our extended commitments. But it's, I think the greatest joy in life is doing with and through other people to serve other people. And to have had a chance to do that in a number of different industries. I feel like the luckiest guy I know. I'm just really it's, blessed. Yeah, but I think, I think to feel that luck and to feel blessed, you have to have the right mindset and outlook for a start. Um, you could quite easily have been blowing your trumpet now about what you'd achieved and what you've done but you haven't and and that speaks volumes and ironically i saw a post yesterday on linkedin that had images of not only octogenarians but people later in their life and they were all holding up their advice to young people like, ah. and and i think be kind to others was probably one of the biggest ones um seize every opportunity was another one but the, the the main one was you know no regrets but make sure you're kind to others and help other people and unfortunately the divisive world that we live in now adam we've lost sight of the humanity aspect i think a little bit and us working in the technology industry we've got to hold our hands up and say we've contributed to that slightly through the internet and connectivity around the world and i suppose going from those small social groups that we're used to as human beings to kind of these massive social groups where People are being judged online and kids are being bullied. And it's just such a quick shift so fast. And I think there's so many positives to draw out of technology, but there's also the side that's detracting away from humanity. And I really am going off topic here. I know. I think in a way it is on topic. In addition to those cards, I hope somebody put up a card that said, be kind to yourself. And the yeah, question did, most yeah. of us should be asking, but quite often we don't is, what is the gift we want to give our future selves? What gift do I want to give the Adam Bricker three years from now? New language skills, physical skills, uh, more time, money, relationships. What, what is that gift you want to give your future self? And then be honest with yourself. Is it worthy of your extended commitment to make it happen? If not, you're just fooling yourself. Um, your why has to be what has to overcome your why not. I love Seth Godin's quote on that, if, you, if you've ever seen that. But the reason I think it's so, so relevant here is, I've been, I've been blessed to work in aerospace and defense, airlines, consulting, restaurants, humanitarian aid. And I can say with quite confidence that I've never been in an industry where people really, truly wanted to help each other more than in IT security, cybersecurity. Never. Completely. Do you know what? I, I've mentioned that same statement on every live stream I've ever done. So my background predominantly is financial services which is definitely not like this industry. You know, <laughs> it's all very dog-eat-dog dog and very cutthroat. And I, I've been blown away by 
how much i mean people like yourself um after a bit of outreach saying that they'll come on and share their experiences like this it's just it's blown me away and the amount i've learned from it as well and the previous chat with edward liebig we were talking about staff rotation um and how how important that was to then get people involved with different areas of the business and i think that's something that seems to be missing in the cybersecurity industry a lot that we're all quite in our own little pockets and have no awareness of the overall picture. Sometimes, it, by the way, it is funny in the chat session here, Carrie asks if I have a trampoline to jump into. Actually, there is a trampoline literally right over here. I should go roll it out. I've got one out the window as well, Carrie. I'll drop a picture in the community later. Mine's just a little one you hop on for exercise, you know, for my wife. Um, but I see different things in cybersecurity because I'm blessed to be on a group every week with some of the leaders from the NSA White House and others at the very senior level. But what my passion day to day now is to secure the information of people that go into the most hazardous context in the world to serve persecuted people. And so I'm lucky, blessed, no, don't get me wrong. It is heartbreaking what you hear at both ends. It absolutely is. But the joy in serving those people and helping them protect their data and protect their own lives is, uh, is like second to none. Um, but I, you know, I admit I'm a mission-minded person. I have to wake up every day saying there's something worth fighting for. I'm one of the old-style guys. You know, they say, you know, what what distinguishes men is like, yeah, you know, they want to dam save the damsel in distress. They want to bring order to chaos, and they want to build something. I know that's an overly simplistic phrase, but um, it's true with me. I, I I love doing that. So, is that there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, get going back to the advice from our older generation. Um, for those who know me in the audience, they'll know that my mum's just gone into palliative care and she's got advanced Parkinson's. But I'm not saying this to depress everyone. I'm saying this to, to rejoice everyone because the only person stressed about it really is me. Um, my mum is one of the strongest people I've ever known. And I mean, she's a religious lady. She believes in God. But she has throughout her life helped so many people, animals, anything and she's laying there in her deathbed now with a smile on her face because she's content and my mom did the that, same thing and went the same way that that she is that's humbled, yeah humbled me like really 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 a lot and made me think about i mean the last couple of years my life's changed around anyway but it's made me think even more about how gratifying and as splodge said most people don't even realize how much pleasure is, is obtained by helping others because we're so busy my words, not your splodge. We're also busy chasing around in the rat race all the time, achieving the shiny things that we think we're meant to be achieving rather than the important things. But let's get off the subject of death because it's, you know, it's Thursday, not, not topical. And let's move on to um, what you see as the biggest challenges for us moving forward. Well, I've had lots of different opinions, lots of the same themes, but what's your opinion on the biggest challenge for the cybersecurity industry in the next five years? Well, I, I do take quite a contrarian view on this. Um, and so that means that I'm, I'm in a way trying to be provocative because I'm trying to learn. But at the same time, I've shared this with a lot of people and they give me a kind of a jaundiced eye, but they don't, they don't generally state that I might be wrong. And I, I teach critical thinking. We should spend as much time trying to prove ourselves right as prove ourselves wrong. So I'll start off with my first snarky phrase and I'll look for the chat here what people think. Cybersecurity can be an inherently unethical industry. And people go, what? What are you talking about? I say, well, let's think about this. 
lot of them, and I mean many of these vendors, many of these providers, including people that are inside a company selling to their executive team of why they should spend more money on cybersecurity, they approach it based on fear. And then a lot of them say, oh, by the way, I have a solution for you. And this solution for you, you will never be able to validate actually works. Because in our terms and conditions in our contract, they won't say that they will defend you, protect you. They'll say nobody can. They're still going to yeah. get through. And so they sell on fear. They sell you a solution you have a hard time measuring the efficacy, the value of. And then they come back later. And then they talk about how they want you to be a reference for what they do. And you go, well, I want to be good to our industry and stuff like that and a good partner. And so they help. And people don't see this circular trap that they're going into. So the first of three major challenges I see, one is it's sort of existential at the industry level. You've got very well-meaning, very, very smart people selling and making billions of dollars off of solutions they can't tell you actually work. And then you say, well, Adam, how do you know they actually don't work? Well, um, I have a statement on my desk here that says, in God, I trust everybody else bring data. So guess what the data tells us? Most of the, the malevolent, you know, the, the malicious actors are getting through insider threats, business email compromise, phishing attacks. Um, and I'll just categorize this in the second one. It's still the basics. Yeah. It's still the basics. And so the second major threat we, the, you know, fa the industry faces is we don't even do the basics well. So if we don't do asset management well, we're not reducing our, our you know, what they call the, um, the attack vector, the attack surface. If we're not doing the basics well of asset management, attack surface, configuration, vulnerability, end user protecting themselves from themselves, then what am I doing with some of these more sophisticated tools, et cetera? Get the basics right and then mature on. But the data tells us that largely they're, the malicious actors are getting through because the uh, cybersecurity IT teams aren't doing the basics well. So the third one is I go, when we develop the next generation of cybersecurity talent, this is a complex, difficult, fraught with ethical issues. And a lot of the, lot of the um, cybersecurity training centers out there say, hey, in two months, three months, six months, you know, we, we can get you a job in cybersecurity. Okay, maybe you can get a job, but are you a professional? And I think no. developing the next generation of cybersecurity professionals is more like developing a medical professional, a doctor, a nurse, meaning you go through years of technical training, you go through apprenticeship training, you go through your residency. Now you're ready to, with, with free hands, put your hand on somebody's life. But yeah. it starts with the basics of anatomy and medical professional and drug interactions and chemistry and physics. It gets down to the basics. Um, so those are the three primary things that I see are, are issues at, at the industry and talent development level. Um, and by the way, the fear mongering that goes on, I'll give you a I'll give you the same quote that I said to the leaders of the NSA, to the leaders of the CIA, and to the leaders of this organization out there that does, um, they put out a website that states how many jobs there are in cybersecurity. Everybody go look at, you know, the, the, the website, you can go see it. Well, in the state of North Carolina, where I live, they said there were over 20,000 open cybersecurity jobs. Um, so, okay, so you can go see the heat map and it says there's, you know, 700,000 to 1.1 million open in North America. Okay, great. And everybody just takes it like it's true. Yeah. So I said to myself, hold it, I, I teach critical thinking. Where's the evidence that shows us this is true? Now, what I'm about to tell you, I wrote in a formal letter to them. And the InfoSeq guys decided not to respond to me. So, Funny that. 
So here we go. It says there were 20,000 open positions here in North Carolina. I, I got a team together. We surveyed every major corporation in the state. We surveyed all the major job boards, Monster, Dice, ND, et cetera. We called uh, the 20 largest managed service providers. Now, by the way, we know that over 80% of all cybersecurity jobs are with the MSPs or the Fortune 500 or consulting companies. That, that's where they all go. So we surveyed virtually everyone in the state. We came up with a number that was 75% lower than what InfoSeq was, was quoting. So not 10 or 20%. I mean, a huge difference. We got to three I've to five thousand, and they had 20,000. I've seen, I've seen the same though um, on LinkedIn when people are talking about GRC jobs in cybersecurity. 300,000 GRC jobs. When you then drill down, half of them aren't in cybersecurity at all. GRC is like a massive field over multiple industries and multiple disciplines. But for marketing purposes, they're bundling all the numbers together to get people to pay out for these courses. And I'll come back to those in a moment. I want to just jump back to your previous point, which, again, these are all common themes that are coming up from everyone I'm speaking to. And uh, this, this goes back to when I went to my first conference this year, only in the industry 18 months, RSA, um, I think it was last month. It's all been a bit of a whirlwind. And InfoSec Europe last month. And it's just buzzwords everywhere. It's zero trust, shift left. It's three and a half thousand products in the cybersecurity market that a lot of them do the same thing or don't do the same thing. And it's just noise. And many of the other CISOs I've spoken to have all expressed a huge frustration and the narrative in the market, which again reinforces everything you've said, where people are pushed towards those um, silver bullet solutions and the ones that might not work. I mean, I had an email from a colleague about a product that I thought was really good yesterday. And he went, we've had this for six months. It does not work. And Splodge has just put in there, I think a little while ago that over the last six, here we go. This has become more obvious over the last six to 12 months that some products, et cetera, don't protect. And the, the industry though, whilst it's been around a while compared to other industries, it's still in its infancy. And at the moment we're going through a stage of kind of ballooning growth. We've had a crazy amount of VC and private equity investment in products that have the word AI in, um, for example, and the word cybersecurity in. We've no real, um, in my opinion, due diligence done on whether it's solving an actual problem in the market. All they care about is whether it's going to be able to be sold. And that's the problem we've got. It's not addressing the problem that the people who are launching these products are looking at the amount of profit, who they can hit with it, where the traction is going to come and that's the big frustration from me coming from outside the industry in. It's, it's painful. And another reason why I've tried to set this series up, I mean, I'm only one person, but the more noise we make about this in the industry, the better. And again, moving on to your next point about um, the education piece, the management of expectations there sucks across the board. So you've got people being bombarded with this marketing nonsense that tells you you can be a cyber expert. I mean, Paul Cummings from Whole Cyber Human Initiative, he did a post yesterday where someone who was transitioning from the military had paid out, I think, $10,000 for a course. And this course was pre-recorded video content, I think three support sessions of, of about an hour each over the course of about a month. And it's all stuff you can get for free. And you've got all these companies preying on people transitioning, preying on people pivoting. And that's the other bit that I'm trying to shout about at the moment to change. But then the next barrier is the hiring practices. And from the CISO I had on before, he seems to think that 
the CISOs need to lead more from the top and have more influence throughout that whole process because at the moment it's not working. So that's my kind of yes, I agree with you um, comments. And I see that we've had more and more people in the chat saying the same. I mean, people confirming about the, the needing the strong fundamentals in cybersecurity. Thanks, Raven, for that. Um, splodge again the problem is adam there's a firefighting mentality well there, there certainly is that which again is whipped up in a frenzy by the media perhaps sometimes as well and then you've got carrie um he's going through the network plus training right now next class is security plus and carrie's one of the ones who's doing it properly carrie's pivoting he's always enjoyed it worked in it many years ago transitioned from the navy worked in retail for a number of years and he's now <clears throat> spending a year or two getting the fundamentals in place and that's where I messed up. So I went, I got carried away with wanting to be a pen tester because it was a bit like being a James Bond villain and getting paid for it. And went all the way through to sit in my OSCP, but realized I'd missed out all the networking and all the really important bits. <laughs> and I think it's, again, it's that mentality of knowing even an entry level cybersecurity job, I think is something you need to prepare for well in advance than just yeah. sending your resume out. Yeah, you have to be willing to put in the hard work. You know, Robert Greene's story here about you just got to put in the hard work is, is true. Um, but when I think about what I see in some of the chat session here, one of the things that we did in our, because, you know, as you mentioned, January 2020, we started this thing called the Carolina Cyber Center. We raised millions of dollars. Montreal College raised another $30 million in addition to the money we raised to build out cybersecurity. So really... You know, it's just unbelievable how much money we raised. But, you know, it sounds impressive. But frankly, the U.S. government is throwing tons, of, you know, literally billions of dollars out there. It wasn't that hard. Yes, I'm proud of the team. Yes, I'm proud of what we did. But it wasn't as, as, as a material accomplishment as it sounds. But I will say that I felt like one of the luckiest guys on the planet is we got a chance to de custom design a cybersecurity course from the ground up. And I interviewed over 100 cybersecurity leaders, the CISO at Bank of America, Ally, Trua, CNBC, some of the biggest MSPs and cybersecurity firms in the world. I'm blessed to just have relationships and friends in high places and low places. Um, I tend to live in the low places. Which, which, ones, which ones are more fun? Oh, well, I, I came from the shallow end of the gene pool, so it's kind of fun out there. But um, what I started to do is, is I asked him questions in my ignorance, I would ask questions. Hey, Simon, what are you hiring for in cybersecurity? Oh, we don't want people to know networking, GRC. We want them to work well in teams and that kind of stuff. Okay, good. About halfway through the interview cycle, I spent three months interviewing. And I still, to this day, interview somebody every single week, every single week like this. But then about halfway through that three, four-month cycle, I started asking a different question. Hey, Simon, why did you fire people? Why did they not succeed? Why did they not achieve all that they were designed to, to achieve? And I'm a I'm a Christian man of Ephesians 2.10 bigot. I think we were designed uniquely for wonderful purposes. And so um, why did people not fulfill their, their possibilities? Then I start getting largely different answers. You know, they weren't curious. They, they just couldn't critically think through what was happening. They couldn't, like in critical thinking, we teach three different aspects. Classic critical thinking, Aristotle, you know, Epictetus, all that kind of stuff. Then we teach attackers, how did, what's the attacker's advantage? What is the mindset and critical thinking skills of the, they call it the, uh, the uh, you know, mind of a hacker. And then yeah. the third one we teach is a, a course that we, we stole from, I have this snarky phrase that we said, we're going to shamelessly steal the best of what others have already mastered. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. So Roger Martin up at Rotterdam University, he has his own, has an, 
an outstanding training class on how to, how to do what's called integrative thinking. How do you fight the asymmetric war? How do, you, how do you fight an enemy that has every advantage over you? They have more time, more money, more technology. How do you fight that? Well, he teaches you how to do that. So we wove these things into our classes. Back to the interviews, they would tell us, you know, people would say, did you work well in teams? But did you work well in this kind of a team? And I'd say, well, what do you mean? Well, in cybersecurity, you have eight or 10 people on the team and none of them can do the other person's job, or very rarely, right? The pen tester isn't the best at vulnerability scanning. The vulnerability scanning isn't best at the compliance. The one who's doing compliance isn't best at triaging level one tickets. That person isn't the best at writing the Python rules in the SIM. They're all different, but they all have to come together to create this defense in depth, this web of security, and then be able to measure that progress. And then on the other side of the equation, the resilience. And it's like, that's a different kind of uh, collaborative skill. Yeah. And so we, we actually stole this game that we found out there to teach people how to work in those kind of skills. And then we were able to measure the ability for them to collaborate in these environments. And it worked to the point where every single, well over 200 students we graduated in the last two years, every single one of them had a job at or within 30, 40 days of graduating. Most of them had a job before they graduated. The, 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 the people... Um, interviewing our students could see that they could, they were curious, could see their critical thinking, see they knew how to collaborate. But then the next ones were, were they disciplined? So discipline and then getting to grit. Grit is doing the unpleasant over and over again when it's necessary. That is a skill you can build, right? The first time you don't go march 20 miles through the mountains. You do a mile and then two miles, and then you do it in the rain. Then you do five miles when it's hot. Then you do 12 miles when there's bears out there. And you do 20 miles when you have to build up to it. By the way, Carrie, that game is called Space Teams. Well, it, I don't want to give it away, but we developed some learning techniques and what's really happening in the game. Um, you know, Simon, if it's okay, they're, they're welcome to reach out to me through you later. And I can Brilliant. share with you. Share with them I love that. No secrets. I want to give everything away. Um, it's just that to get the best learning out of the students, they can't actually know what's about to happen. Oh, I completely agree. I want to I want to hijack this conversation and for selfish reasons as well. So one of the big things that we've done in the community at InfoSec Live is try and help people get work. Now, my skill set that I can offer to people is fairly narrow, but fairly good. So I can help people with active listening, emotional intelligence, soft skills. That's the bit I can do. And I've put some free con content on there for that. I've had other people coming in trying to support people. And it's been very, very difficult because there's so many things going on out there. However, um, this morning, I have had someone reach out from a recruitment firm based in the US who are prepared to sponsor some people if we put together a program at InfoSec Live for people to go in. So what, what I'm trying to do is twofold. One, help some people who desperately need it within the community. So start to put them through some structure. And two, show these boot camp idiots out there who are ripping people off and taking people's money that the support that they're charging all this money for is something that people can do for free in a community. If you've got enough people in there, it's possible. So my, my question to you on that is, with a limited budget for people who are kind of at that, I suppose, starting point of wanting to get into the industry, I know ISC Squared have got a entry-level examination for cyber now. I know you've got the CompTIA trifecta that there's all these different things. And I'm genuinely looking for some answers on the kind of structure we could start to put together. Cause I've got an army of volunteers 
waiting. But what I need, Adam, is some direction. I'm a little bit like one of those clockwork toys where oh. if you wind me up and then point me in the right direction, I can get on with it. Well, we um, this is a question that came up a lot. So for the last three years, I have been maturing a point paper. It's a listing, a bullet listing of free or nearly free classes. And I'm glad to share that with anybody who wants. It's like 10 pages now of really good, nice. pre-vetted, free or nearly free. So I'll give you an example. Uh, John Strand and the wonderful people at Black Hills InfoSec, they do a wonderful live stream all the time. But it's for different level people. Um, yeah. Jason Dior has one of the best programs. And I'm, I'm glad to drop names. And I'm glad to have people yeah, tell me. Drop away. I mean, the, the, thing, the thing with this, whilst we've got a sponsor in Bramfit, the whole point of this is not about selling products or services. It's about sharing what we think is good. I'll send you the document. You yeah, can brilliant. edit and share it with anybody. Perfect. Um, Thank you. On down to the $19 classes that EC Council releases now that you can find them in their blue blue specials or red specials, they call them. Um, I'll share that document with anybody who wants it. But here's the challenge. Um, there's lots of free materials out there. And if it's given to you for free, that's typically what it's worth to most people. Nothing. Yeah. And so when, you know, like in our classes, that's why we teach the discipline. Like somebody mentioned here about our minds are our own worst enemy. That's why you have to teach critical thinking. 100%. Elizabeth King has this great quote. And she's a sculptor of all things, but an incredibly beautiful person and wicked smart. And she said, process saves us from the poverty of our intentions. It's so true. Very, yeah. yeah. So if you're going to do something free, do it together. <laughs> The reason that well over 95% of people who start online asynchronous classes free or paid, they never finish them. And that's the reason. And because there's no accountability, there's no camaraderie, there's no cohort that's going through with it together. We are, we humans are the most social creatures on the planet. Yeah. So create a cohort, find through, you know, forums like this, find eight or 10 people who want to go through it with you. And people like me will give you all the free materials. They'll coach you through the process, but you have to be willing to put in and do the hard work yourself. It's like and taking, taking ownership, taking ownership for yourself as well is hugely important. And I think the idea is is to set up different groups within the community so we can start to have set channels for people doing certain exams. So then once twice a week they can have group study sessions and ask expert. And you're not talking about, as you said, with people brings power and we're up to nearly 3,000 in the community now. And awesome. the amount of people I've got on the list, you know, CISOs and all sorts of amazing people who are prepared to give up their time. Thank you. Do you know what? It, I can't take the credit because you said it before. This industry is like nothing else. You know, people are bending over backwards. All I've done is I'm a gob on a stick so I can stand up and <laughs> shout. At well, there's a gift. <laughs> Simon, don't discount the gift of that. The people oh. that, you know, when, when the Heath brothers and also, um, oh, the, the great journalist from Canada, um, guy was just, I'm reading his Bomber Mafia book right now, now I forgot his name. Anyway, and he talks about the connector, the maven, and, and you are the connector. No great thing happens in this world without the connector. And as Epictetus or you know, Euripides or somebody said, no great thing enters society without calamity first. These are hard things to do. But I want, to, I want to answer a question. When splodge burden there in the, in the chat session, I don't know if that's a play on the British phrase for what is a splodge, but anyway, uh, he says, what's the best way to find which direction to head in cybersecurity? I'll, I'll mention three things. One, there's a great assessment from a firm called, I think it's called Cyber IQ. 
But if you look up cybersecurity skills assessment, it's got like a 90 plus percent accuracy rate of doing this online assessment and it telling you based on your what brings joy to your life, your natural inclination and skills, where you might best ply your trade. So I would look at that. The second one is um, here in North America, there's a, a, a man who's done a TV show called Dirty Jobs for Years, Mike Rowe. And he's right, just like Isaac Newton, an object at rest tends to stay at rest, but an object of motion tends to stay. So get moving towards something and keep asking yourself, what brings joy to your life? What do you find yourself most asking questions about? And when you learn it, you most want to tell somebody else. If you can think of those three things, it largely validates you're heading in the right direction. I think so amazing advice. And let me just add a fourth one on quickly, Adam. Um, That would be to spend time with people who do all the different roles and form your basis off of those conversations and the learning. And like Adam says, what you enjoy doing and what you're passionate about doing, because again, for anyone who's trying to get in this industry for the money, there are other industries where you can earn money far easier <laughs> than this one. But the, the problem is, is that, you know, the, the headlines that you're seeing for people breaking in, earn $100,000 on your first job, it, it's going to catch everyone's attention, isn't it? Yeah. And that was going to be my third one, which is go find your tribe. Go find your mentor, yeah. your coach, your tribe. And and they will tell you, They'll be if they love you, they'll be honest with you. You don't want people to be nice to you. You want them to be kind. Nice people tell you what you want to hear. Kind people tell you what you need to hear in a way that helps you give the gift to your future self. Look for those kind, and they're out there. Um, so I hope that's of help. But by the way, I do a, a little short course. It only takes about 15 or 20, man, probably more like 30 minutes, on how to hack the job, how to oh, find a job in cyber year to how to hack it. A friend of mine, Evan Francine of FR Secure fame and Security Studio, he's just a rock star in this field. I just love this man. In fact, I'm talking to him tomorrow morning. I um, also considered him a friend of mine. And Evan Francine wrote a three-part story, three-part post, rather, on how to get a job in cybersecurity. And I, I advise people read that. And by the way, in this document that I'll send you, I have a few other articles that have done a really good job of how to get a job, get your first job in cybersecurity. That's, that's amazing. And just, just for everyone who is watching, I've put the link to join the free InfoSec Live community in the chat. I think also I can put it up on the bottom somewhere as well if you come along and register it is free there's no catch um it's literally a community support a social network for cybersecurity. hundreds of people in there all the time constantly collaborating and chatting and i will post the document adam's talking about in there as soon as i receive it from him later or tomorrow so adam thank you so so much awesome i suppose we've we've talked Again, the, the conversation seems to stick around the same points for everyone in the industry. It's a shame the vendors out there with their three and a half thousand products, they weren't more tuned in to these events and started to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, like you said, Adam, there's a lot of people out there making an awful lot of money in the cybersecurity industry at the moment. Yeah. What, what, would your, what would your advice be to anyone who's in a leadership role in the industry for the next five years, what they should be focusing on, or is that a bit generic? It's one of the things that when I think about podcasts like this and, and, and the opportunity to get your tribe together is that the needs of the top CISOs in the world, those that are running Lowe's, FedEx, you know, a big airline, a big bank, they're dealing with a whole different category of problems than those who are leaders running a managed service, managed security service provider. That's a totally different challenge. And then there's those who are the cybersecurity leaders developing products and services. 
And I, by the way, some of these men and women are the most amazing people. There are truly phenomenal ethical people out there. Um, Jason, who, who runs um, Scythe and is a founder there, he's a, he's a tremendous man. Uh, I could just go on and on about these tremendous people, but they all face quite different challenges. And so I think when, when we ask ourselves that question, it's like what I'm doing right now within my new job. The first thing I'm doing is a normative cybersecurity assessment. And there are really good standards out there. And that helps point the way to what you should be doing and then what your challenges are. If I'm an MSSP leader right now, my challenge is staffing. Yeah. Finding and developing and grooming the right staff. My my, you know, If I'm running one of the ISACs, my biggest challenge is getting actionable threat intelligence and then what to do with it and separate the wheat from the, you know, the noise, the signal, the noise. If I'm a small, medium business owner, I'm like, I got to find a low cost MSSP to come and help me because I can't do it. That's what you should do. But you got to get the, so your challenge is really quite unique to the role you face. Um, and all I can really speak to is the three challenges I've faced within the last eight or 10 years of the jobs running CIO and CISO for a big mining company, CIO and CISO and building a cybersecurity services center here in North Carolina to what I'm dealing with now, people traipsing around the world doing things you don't want to do, but they do. And they're all so different. Um, but the way I critically think through it, the curiosity that I've tried to develop in my own skills, and I'm imperfect by all means, but I come back to what we call the seven essential life skills in the program that we built here. They have served me really, really well to move from, from field to field and come up to speed really quite quickly. I, I'm, I'm really thankful I had those mistakes and scars on my back uh, to get to this point. I think I've, I've learned more from my mistakes, Adam, than I have from any of my successes in my life. And I see a lot of chat in the in the chat comments about a chimera, for example, being happy with what I do being more important than money. Um, for those who know me, they'll know that it took for me to break to work that one out, which wasn't particularly nice. And, and Roy's made the comment, true, but I hear some people have both money and happiness. And I'll, I'll make a quick comment on this. I don't think money definitely doesn't bring happiness. Money is an amplifier. If if you're happy and you've got mm. money, it gives you the ability to be happier in some things because you have more options. But if you're unhappy and you have money, it just amplifies that. It's what it did for me. And I think back to what Adam said earlier on, it's about this. And once you've got this straight and this is working properly, the rest all comes and slots into place, in my opinion. Yeah, the undergirding this, this, this of the seven essential life skills, right? Curiosity, discipline, critical thinking, collaboration, grit. And then we get to agency under duress. Can you perform when the human feces hits the oscillating fan? Yeah. But undergirding all of that is humility, the way Aristotle defined it. It's an accurate reflection of my strengths and my weaknesses and the emotional courage to do something about it. Yes. And if you have those, I promise you money will come. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be a billionaire, but it, you, Simon, you probably know the same studies that I read. Well, once you make more than a, a, a very healthy middle, middle income wage, typically in North America, at 70, 80,000 a year, happiness yep. is flatlined. Correct. It doesn't get any better. No. But you, I love the phrase you said that with an amplifier. I'm stealing that one because I'm, I'm too I, lazy. I, to I clearly stole it from someone else. Um, someone told me that a few years ago, and it really, really, really resonated with me. Roy, I'll just make one more comment. I haven't been content with money yet. I'm still not rich at the moment, so I'll let you know if it ever happens, whether it, <laughs> whether it does change things. But I think the fact that it's not my priority anymore 
has changed my life completely. And putting it into perspective, we we live in a 200 year old farmhouse. And for the last two winters, we've had no heating here until I started work again. But do you know what? We were happy. We were content. You know, and and I think, again, it's, it's all about mindset, success, success is mindset. It's, it's the journey as well, not the destination, like we've said before. And once you've got that straight and you're content with yourself and you know what is going to make you happy, I think then that's when you can start really enjoying your life. And going back to your point about the cyber cyber EQ or cyber IQ, wow. uh, there's another one called My Cyber Path, which was created by a CISO called Jason Shockey. Um, he's based in New York. He's ex, ex-military. And it does a very similar thing where it looks at your personality. It looks at the things you enjoy. It does that psychometric bit, but it also links it up with some practical bits as well. And I think if anyone is struggling, you know, A, B, C, D, doesn't matter which one you use. But these these tools aren't a kind of fade accompli with your direction, but they're definitely a, a focus for where you should start. Because my focus started on becoming a technical person when we're clear that I'm not a technical person as much as I wanted to be one. And I don't regret, you know, the the journey I had because I've learned so much about the industry and myself the last few years. But had I focused on what I was good at at the start, we could have had heating for one winter. <laughs> yeah. I agree with what Roy's put here in the chat session as well. By the way, there's a fairly good, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think it's great, but there's a fairly good uh, free course on Cyberary where these two gentlemen just talk about the different roles in cybersecurity, what it's really like to do those roles. Um, and then the through Clark.edu, the NSA here in North America, it's free. You can go to the Clark site, and they have a series of videos where you can see interviews with people who do these. And I know because I, I produced half a dozen of them or 10 of them or something. And uh, but some of the others are better than mine. But anyway, you can go watch those and, and get a, like a virtual interview for, with what people do. And then um, uh, a Dave Kennedy over at InfoSec, or PracticeSec rather, uh, Ed Scotus, who's now the head of SANS EDU and, a, and just a fabulous human being. And he one of the most prolific SANS instructors of all time. Um, Evan Francine, as I mentioned, at FR Secure. There's a few of these leaders out there, John Strand, who have a series of videos and stuff. You can go see them at conferences and presentations for free where they talk about what some of the best do in this field, how they got there. Those are four names that I would drop and say they're just some of the most amazing people. Um, and I was blessed to get to know them. And, I mean, I mean, first comment is Cyberary is the website I found that started me on my journey yeah. um, to become a penetration tester. And there is a wealth of information on there. And I think it used to be pretty cheap as well when I was subscribed, which was a while back. So yeah. that's really worth it. is that how much it is? I mean, that, that is good value. Chimeri has made a good point as well. Sometimes asking those around you what they see as your talents or perhaps your weaknesses is a great start as well. True. And uh, Raven puts a comment down there about many factors of money and success. But I do like what Tony Robbins says is success leaves clues. Yeah. The people that were successful. And I mean, it, like in my life, I have five attributes to the definition of success. Money is not one of them. By the way. But right. if that's yours, and God bless you, that's awesome. That's fine. But it's the pursuit of money for what it can bring to the gift of your future self. It's not because you think that's going to make you happy. If it brings you freedom and the ability to serve more people and and build a business to employ people, that is an awesome, honorable way and desire to make more money. Um, yeah, it's, the, 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 world, the, the world's got it wrong, right? I heard a really, <clears throat> a really good analogy. It was on the plane on the way back from San Francisco. And the guy who told me was a salesman for a, a cybersecurity company. And the story was 
of a, a venture capitalist who goes on holiday to this beautiful little Indonesian island. And <laughs> he notices that the fisherman who's coming in, he, they eat in the restaurant and the fish comes in and this fish is amazing. It's, it's fresh. It's like nothing he's ever tasted before. You might have heard this before. And he speaks to the fisherman. He said, yeah, this is just amazing. He said, um, why don't you think about getting, you know, investing and in getting some more boats? He said, all right, well, well, what could I do then? He said, well, when you've got more boats, you can then look at getting more shops to distribute your stock and, you know, obviously increase your profits. He's like, all right, okay, and and, and then what? He said, well, then, then you can look at even having your own distribution centers. He's like, oh, brilliant, what will that do? Well, that will make you even more money. He said, well, then what can I do? He said, well, then you can look at having retail shops as well. He said, then you can control the whole market. You'll have the product, you'll be importing, you'll be wholesaling, you'll be retailing. He's like, oh, it's amazing. He said, then what? He said, well, then what comes next is you float the company on the stock market. He's like, right, then what? He said, well, then you get loads of money. He said, well, then what? He said, well, then then you can retire and go live by the sea on a beach and spend the day fishing. <laughs> and I thought, yep, that's um, yep. that's we've got it wrong, isn't it? Yeah. By the way, Kerry brings up a good point about John Strand, and I should clarify this. When I ask people that are just entering the field, um, I recommend that they take the free online work from Professor Messer, the very low-cost work at Jason Dion, the free courses that I'll, I'll send you this. John Strand is typically at another level. He is he's, he's typically working at another level. So you have to pay, sort of pay your dues and work up into those levels. So anyway, thanks, Kerry, for putting that. That point no, thank you, Kerry. Aaron, um, I see you made a comment. Simon's running on fumes. I am, and it's decaf as well. Would you believe it? Um, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron's drive is changing the world through technology, which I love, and he's also a co-host awesome. for the community. So again, thanks ever so much for jumping in. Um, do you know what, Adam? If again, selfish, selfish, Simon, Simon, if we could jump on a call at some point over the next few weeks offline without everyone watching, and you could perhaps point me in the right direction to help me build out this support structure for the community because that your guidance, everything you've said, I've, I've tried to write it all down whilst pressing buttons and listening, but <laughs> it's not, it's not all going. Well, Do you think that possible? Later in August, I'm, uh, I'm swamped and out of the, out of the country, uh, international travel until third week of August, but I'm glad to, glad to. Thank you. Thank you. I just so want to help you make the biggest dent you can. And that's what brings joy to my life is just helping people get wherever they want to go in their lives. Yeah, and, I, and, and let's be honest, there's no such thing as altruism, is there, Adam? Because it does make you feel absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it just depends on how you define it. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you say it's the opposite of, you know, narcissism, you go, well, hold it. Aren't all of us in here for what's in it for our interests and what we believe is true? And maybe what's better in the next life or this life. So it just depends on how you define it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. We've got about eight minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to focus on to share? before we wrap up or do you want me to think of something else for us to discuss? Well, I, you know, I'm disappointed that people have wanted, uh, I get calls from Hollywood to go back to being Brad Pitt stunt double, but Brad Pitt's not in shape enough to do that. So I have to, I have to keep doing this cybersecurity stuff. No, um, I really do hope that people think about, you know, sort of three key takeaways here. You have to put in your, you have to put in the hard work. There's no shortcuts, but to do so, you have to really critically think, about what problem you're trying to solve, the skills you're trying to get. And for example, there's some great work out there from Richard Feynman. And I love the work at the Knowledge Project, Shane Parrish, about how to learn and how to learn how to learn. Most of us don't know how to do that. They weren't taught how to learn. Like an interesting factoid, the only time long-term memory is truly formed is when you sleep. 
So then idiots like me were pulling all-nighters in college and working all night on my consulting engagements and wondering why the next day I couldn't remember stuff. Duh, sleep is super, super important. So, you know, the, the one is put, put in the hard work. The two is think about how you think, how you learn, what's important to you. How do you know you know this? Another interesting thing I tell my students, at the end of every major learning topic, can you describe it to an eighth grader? Because if not, you don't really know it. You think you do, but, and I don't care if you can pass the test, that I, don't, I could care less. But if you can't describe it to an eighth grader, you don't really fundamentally understand how it works. And that's hard as well. But then the third thing is, if you truly think about what, what brings joy to your life, you truly think about what brings joy to others and what that, and you follow that path in your life, I can promise you it will serve you well. You're never too rich to receive. You're never too poor to give. Um, so I, I hope I've been of some value to, to you and your constituents. And I look forward to us connecting in late August to, to try and get I think masses, masses of value. And on Thank that you. point, quickly, on that point, quickly, before we get to Aaron's quick question, before we wrap things up, when I went through my kind of life changing events a few years ago, a couple of big things had an impact for me. One was um, Buddhism, Hinduism, religion in general, reading up on that and learning. And another was quite a misogynistic book, actually, that was written in the oh. 60s, a guy called Maxwell Maltz, and it was called Psycho-Cybernetics. And that book talked about the brain being uh, working as a goal setting mechanism. And I was also studying CompTIA A plus at the time. So I was learning all about input devices. And the book talked about what we see and hear and feel all day going in through the input. And then when we were at periods of rest, sleep, in the bath, shower, walking, whatever, that's when the subconscious processes and brings things. So mindfulness then became a huge thing for me and I started to program it I suppose in my brain the stuff that I wanted to happen because I honestly think our brains become self-fulfilling prophecies with what we stick in at the front and if we're spending all day stressing feeling angry feeling sad it, it just manifests itself in so many ways throughout your life and that's one of the big takeaways I think I've learned with regards we to that are from the stories we tell ourselves we are and so don't put into your story anything that's not true, beautiful, and timeless. Those are my three tests. Is it true? Is it beautiful? And is it timeless? And beauty is just, as the great Greek philosopher said, it's just a manifestation of good to its end. Um, I'm you know that one. You, you know it when you see it. So don't put bad food in your body. Don't watch bad things. Don't listen to crap. Don't smell stuff that's foul. And don't think about things that aren't the gift you want to give your future self. You don't want to give yourself anger, depression. Think about timeless, true, and beautiful things. Feed your eyes with beauty. Fill your body with things that are healthy and good for you. And it's obvious stuff, but I'm, so, you know, I feel like I'm preaching, and I'm sorry. But love you all. Oh, no, 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 not not at all. And I don't know if anyone can hear this, but I'm whilst talking to you, I've got the pleasure of looking out on my back garden, which is um, on the Norfolk Broads. So lovely scenery. And all my children are actually playing in the garden, making oh, making cool. lots of noise. And and as much as sometimes they irritate me by doing that, it is lovely that I'm able to stand here talking to you whilst checking to see if they're in the paddling pool. So quickly, Aaron's might put a question in about quantum yeah. computing in the future. And we've got, um, I think, Roger Grimes coming on with Aaron in a couple of weeks' time to talk about that very awesome. subject. But I'd love to know your take on should we be worried what happens next? We should absolutely be worried. Um, 
you know, Diamantis and others have written book about the speed of technology and the rate at which it's coming. We should absolutely be worried. The next arms race is going to be an arms race around uh, artificial intelligence, virtual reality or augmented reality, the deep fakes and stuff, and artificial intelligence. And so it's a, it's a race in that area. Can our quantum bit computers using AI and machine learning, these algorithms, can they keep up with the enemy? And we all know who the enemy is. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. I'll, I'll leave you with one last kind of funny mental model because I teach mental models. And one of right. them, I was, I was at a briefing at the NSA back in, in May and I was the, the speaker just before lunch. And the last speaker was a, I'm sorry, I was the, speak, the keynote speaker after lunch. But the keynote speaker before lunch, and I won't name him, was one of the executive directors at the NSA. And his, the title of his presentation was Shift Left, Left of Boom, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay. And then he talks about our four main adversaries, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. So being the snarky old guy that I am, I get up there and I said, well, I thought it was really interesting that it was always about shift left, left of boom, left of left of. I said, do you realize that two of those four actors don't read left to right? They go right to left or top to bottom. And some of our partners do the same thing. So if you know how Chinese and Korean and some of these other languages work, <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> put in the hard work and think anyway. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's been, you and your your, uh, your team. You know, it's, it's been one of the most enlightening sessions I've had. I'm super looking forward to catching up again, either back in the August or early September. I really am. Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure. And just to wrap things up, again, everyone, third live stream of the day. Loads of you in the chat. Lots of engagement. That's what it's all about. And for anyone who didn't hear earlier, if you haven't joined the Infosec Live community, come along and join. It's free. Adam's going to give me some info to drop in there that relates to all the subjects we've been talking about and all the resources we've been talking about today. And keep your eyes peeled over the next few weeks for our new sponsorship program where we're going to be choosing some members from applications from the community to take them through some form of structured process. But it will only work through the with the guidance of people like Adam and our other industries leaders, all of whom have been amazing and given back so much. And I think a massive thank you to you, Adam, and the other guest speakers for today for sharing your experiences with the audience. If you haven't done already, please do like and subscribe to the channel. If we get to a thousand subscribers, which we should, I'm hoping to do within 12 months of us starting our content, it should give us another income stream, which will mean we can invest more money back into the community and help save people from some of these boot camps. So again, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll play you all out with a quick graphic and I'll see you all soon. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, everybody.